What's going on, guys? We are back for episode four of Parkville State of Mind. It is Nick and Bradley. Nathan is still absent while taking care of some family stuff. We wish him the best. He's expecting a new baby boy in about six weeks, so he's got a lot of stuff on his plate. So we look forward to having him back in the meantime. It will be me and Bradley holding it down. Bradley, how you doing? Doing good, man. Uh, ready to talk some, about, uh, some Carolina basketball. Um, we got Wake Forest and Notre Dame on the on the list today so we'll we'll run through those games yeah we had a good we had a good week we had two solid wins um well we won six six out of the last seven i think is that right six out of the last so we've got a we've got a pretty good little win streak going um i'm happy with the boys and how they're playing still some stuff to critique but we'll chop it up for a second we'll hop into this wake forest game um it was 88 79 win um, Pete Nance started, but went out about two minutes in with a hurt back. And I think was it? I think Trimble picked up his his workload during that game and came in. Um, it was he. I you know I'm really high on Seth Trimble. He's doing really well for us. Um, RJ went crazy in the second half of that game. He did really well. I think he had 20 in the second half. If I'm correct, is that correct? 20 in the second half. Yeah. Um, RJ was putting on a clinic, scoring in a variety of different ways. Uh, played really well in the second half. That's awesome. Um, he shot 9 of 14. Um, let's see. Baycott had 21 and 9. But I want to give praise where praise is due, and that is Leaky Black had a career high. As yeah, I said before, for sure. there is no great. Leaky slander in this chat. We are, he, he is my favorite player by far. And if he can, you know, 18 points, solid for him. I think he three for five from three. He had one bad three. He had an air ball, you said, right at the end. But you know what? Whatever. I don't care. He had three or four. That man's that man's a legend. Man's a legend. He that last one was airball. We ain't gonna we ain't even gonna count it. It's on the stat sheet, but we're not even worried about it because the game was in the bag by that point. So I'm not worried about it. Yeah. So Leaky Leaky played really really great. Um, if we could get some uh, consistent play from Leaky Black, um, make him a more consistent offensive threat. Uh, this that elevates this team to another level. Um, he make him make the defenders respect him on the outside. Um, if he can knock down a shot or drive to the basket, uh, he's a big guy. So um, if he could do that more consistently, yeah, for sure. This uh, elevates our team's play and um, makes us that more um, better, uh, I guess, offensively. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, if we've got Leaky, you know, knocking down two or three three balls in the first half and opening space up for everyone else. Because, I mean, you saw it too, everyone who watched. Like, they left him wide open on these threes. Like, they they did not care if he was shooting. And he made him pay in the first half. I mean, I think he had 11, 11 in the first half and 7 in the second, or maybe 14 in the first half and 4 in the second. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, he, had, but. he had 14 in the first half. Yeah. I mean, he came off hot. I mean, he had his first – First two or first three, he missed one, but I mean, he was still three for four from the beginning, and he just did really well. I still think he is a big factor on the defensive end for sure. But also, like, if we can get, I mean, like I, like we said in the last pod, um, he's going to have a smaller guard on him at all times on the floor. So if we can, like, you know, highlight that and get him a couple touches in the paint so he can, you know, finish around the rim, which he needs to work on, I think. Um, he would definitely be a key factor in some wins coming down the stretch for sure. Um, yeah, I think that if Leaky can knock down some shots, it just it just makes us very dynamic. It it turns our scores from R.J. Caleb and Baycott to R.J. Bay, uh, R.J. Caleb Baycott and Leaky. So if uh, if those guys 
could all step up and, and play better offensively uh, makes us pretty dangerous. Um, one thing I wanted to point out, we shot 51% from the field, 38% from three. Um, 50 bench minutes, I think, is that the most bench minutes we've had this year? And, of course, that was a little bit – that was a little bit extrapolated by Pete not playing and Trimble had 22 minutes, but still, I mean, the three guard lineup, which is what's what I was going to talk about today. Um, Bradley, what did you think of the three guard lineup with Trimble love and Davis? Uh, I liked it, man. Um, those, those three guys, they, uh, they play well together when, when Trimble is, is bringing the ball up, RJ and Caleb can play off the ball, which opens some things up for them. And, and Seth, he hasn't, um, shown that he can knock down the jump jump shot yet consistently, but he's finding other ways to score. He's getting to the free throw line. He's grabbing offensive boards. Um, he's just doing what's necessary to win the game, and I think that's what you need to, need to have in a point guard, especially a pass first point guard like Seth. Um, so it, the three guard lineup worked for sure, um, and I think it makes this little. Um, it opens up our offense overall more. It doesn't clog the paint. Uh, if you if you have two bigs in like like Pete and Baycott at the same time, that it tends to clog the paint and our guards can't drive as efficiently. Um, so yeah, I think I think that was a good move by Hubert. It was uh, interesting. I don't know if you saw this, but he only made one sub in the whole second half. So uh, Caleb, R.J. Baycott, and Leaky all played twenty minutes. And Seth came in at the 14:09 mark and played the rest of the half. So McCoy started, and Seth came in at that point. And those those five guys held it down, played hard, and and won the game for us. So yeah, I think you know I think we were talking earlier when we weren't recording, but um, you know if we only had to play five players, I think we beat anyone in the country, no problem. But um, unfortunately, it's a you know you have to make these substitutions, and the earlier they get in in December and January, the better they're going to be in March and April, and that's what I'm kind of focusing on is like you know if Seth's getting 20 minutes a game, that's awesome. Um, I think Dunn needs to get in about 15 to 20 as well. I would like to see Jalen Washington get, give Armando at least 10 minutes of rest, and also. Um, Nickel. I mean, Nick. All of those players have, I think, scored in double figures this year already. So each of them can contribute just as much as Leaky, if not more, on the offensive end. I mean, you might lose a little bit on the defensive end, but I think Seth holds his own. The other ones maybe a little bit, but I mean, just to get these guys seasoned for like a a late run in March would be what I would really want to see from from Hubert to get these guys in the rotation. I think we need to average around fifty, fifty to forty to fifty bench minutes a game, personally, but. Yeah, yeah and I think have to be in the game. It was interesting too because you know McCoy came out to start the second half and played 17 minutes in the game. So I don't know if he was kind of if Hubert was kind of replace Pete Nance with McCoy, um, whether that's offensively or defensively. I, I don't think he's a, as much of an as an offensive threat as Pete is, um, but it just um, our offense kind of exploded when when Seth came in and and he turned he played you know he's got probably the best on-ball defense. I think I said it in, in a previous recording. Um, the best on-ball defense I've ever seen from a Carolina guard, or I've seen in a long time anyways. And when he comes in and plays with that, um, you know, tenacity, and he's he's getting blocks, um, he's forcing turnovers, he's taking charges, it just opens up the floor um, and it just motivates, motivates the other guys to play hard on the defensive end. So um, with Seth out there, it's kind of the – uh, the motivator for the other guys it just it makes them turn up 
turn up their game. Um, and it just, you know, the, one of the easiest ways to score in basketball is create turnovers and get get out on the floor, run, and and get get transition layup. So um, I think Seth does that for us. I agree. I 100 percent agree. Um, how did you feel about Caleb's play on on um, against Wake Forest? Oh man, um, Caleb is so up and down, man. And um, you can just look at his stat line and 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 see kind of how he played. So he played uh, well. He shot three for fifteen. He was one for seven from three, and he had seven points. And he did all of that in thirty-eight minutes. Uh, so not the best stat line from Caleb. And I, and I think it was how he was playing and how he was trying to score. Um, and you could tell in the first half he was just he was upset with himself that he wasn't hitting shots, but a lot of them were forced. And when you force shots, they're usually not good shots. Um, and, and I, th- I think if you take Caleb, if you if you rewatch the first half, especially of the Wake Forest game, and compare that to any of the games that he played his freshman year, I don't know that you could tell a difference between those two players. And that's that's concerning because he's a junior guard at this time. He's played in the NCAA tournament. He's gotten to a Final Four in a national championship game. Um, so he knows what it takes. But you see these slumps from Caleb. Um, and, it's, and it's like he's falling back to his old ways. And I don't know that that's the most promising thing to see from him. Um, but he's such a high-volume shooter that he's going he's gonna to shoot no matter what. Um, and, and unfortunately, um, whether he's off or on, he's going to shoot a lot. What do you yeah, think? I think one thing, <clears throat> I think one thing I have noticed is he, these bad shots or poor passes come when we haven't gotten a bucket in a couple possessions. Um, or it's on the other end when we've got a couple of good buckets and it's like the fifth time down the floor, but maybe, he hasn't got that shot off or hit that hit that layup or hit that you know thrown that pass yet and he i think he tries to force those those moments too soon or maybe like too prematurely um i feel like you know the best time when Caleb comes down is if he is stepping into a three or if he's just catching and shooting which you know Caleb everyone knows he's going to shoot so they have their defensive scheme for him is a lot more intense than maybe against Leaky or, or Tremble or something like that but I just feel like he he goes he goes for his moment maybe at the wrong times. I mean, he's going to get his moment. He's going to hit his big shots. He's going to play well when we need him to. Um, but I feel like sometimes maybe when we're really, really hurting for a shot and we've had a couple turnovers in a row or they've scored a couple possessions in a row and we haven't and, you know, we're losing it. We're, you know, blowing a little bit of a lead. You know, his go-to is that, you know, between the legs dribble, step back, Fade away three from one of the from one of the wings, and I mean he. I'm a little biased because Lord, he hit everything he threw up in the NCAA tournament last year, and I think I'm still expecting that to happen. And when it doesn't, it just frustrates me even more. But um, I feel like his shots when he's leaning back to the left and to the right, he's just not get like he's he's hoping that these go in and can hope for a spark instead of like moving the ball around and getting the good look. Because man, people get hyped for good, good ball movement and an easy layup, just like they do with 30 foot three. So like, which one's easier to, which one's easier to get ball movement and a layup in my opinion. No, I agree. Um, and it frustrates me because so Caleb, no, so I just read a stat line. He was three for 15 and had seven points. Um, he did hit a big three in the, 
probably the last five minutes of the game, um, which we needed. But he still played 38 minutes. So 40 available minutes to play. He played 38 while he was playing that poorly. So I guess my concern is why not pull him for a few minutes? You know, Hubert, take him to the side, try to settle him down, uh, maybe sit him for the last five minutes of the half. Because uh, I think he had he had four turnovers in the first half, too. And I think three of them were like back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. So when mm-hmm. you're not hitting shots, you're turning the ball over, you're more of a liability than anything. And what message does that send to the guys that are sitting on the bench that also work hard? Set, uh, to Dunn and, and Tyler Nickel and Puff Johnson, like – you know, I feel like if they do something, if they make a mistake, if they step on the baseline on a drive or um, turn a ball over, if they make a mistake, they get pulled. You might not see them for two, two or three games, but Caleb can make those same mistakes over and over, and and not get pulled, or, and at least like not sit for a few minutes just to try and settle him down. Uh, and the announcers, they noted that you know Caleb has the green light, um, and and yep. and has it like no other player they've ever seen. Uh, so it's just I'm just confused by that, and, and um, you know, and when he's not hitting shots, his his defensive intensity is low as well because he's hard on himself. Um, so I feel like at that point you got you got to pull him for a few minutes, set him set him to the side, have a conversation with him, um, because you know what he's capable of. You know he can hit big shots, but um, if it's in your head at that point, you gotta you just gotta be able to settle down, and you can't settle down on the fly while you're in the game. You got to do that on the bench. For sure. And, you know, I mean, let's say if he's he's hit a slump and there's, you know, six minutes left in the first half, pull him under four timeout, put him back in. Like, you know, that could be a five-minute break. It could be a two-minute break. It could be a ten-minute break, depending on the, the pace of the game. So, like, you know, just there's strategic substitutions where maybe he's kind of going a little overboard and Hubert can calm him back down and reel him back in. I feel like that's a, that's a good, that's a good strategy because it gets someone, you know, two to three minutes of game time, maybe, maybe who they sub in for him like Nickel or Trimble, gets a rhythm, you know, gets a defensive rhythm, gets an offensive rhythm, and maybe you, you you hold him for the rest of the half, and then he comes in fresh for the second half. I mean, there's no really there's no really bad case of subbing him out for two minutes to see to see how the game flows without him and then to put him back in in case we need him. Like, I just feel like, you know, it's a win-win. You're getting someone on the bench, more playing time, you're getting him comfortable with the game, and also you're getting Caleb a rest to maybe calm down and re, you know, re- recenter his focus for the game too so i think that would be a solid 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 plan for hubert to maybe put into place for um getting him to calm down and maybe because you gotta remember we had he had four turnovers we only had nine in the game so he was responsible for almost 50 percent of our turnovers and if we can cut back on that to maybe i mean you know everyone's going to turn the ball over once or twice but I think his come in so many spurts because he tries to force so much that, you know, taking him out just to let him visualize the game from the bench for two minutes would help out tremendously with his, I think, um, mental for the game. Yeah, I agree. And there was um, there was one play, and we can, we can spin this off a little bit um, on Baycott as well. Uh, so they've been, you know, pretty much every team has been doubling Baycott down low, um, and he was struggling at the beginning of the season trying to um, either take on the double team um, or he would get caught um, not getting rid of the ball quick enough, and he turned the ball over. Um, he's done a lot better at that the last few games, um, just recognizing the double team's coming, which side it's coming from, and whether he can either spin away from it or get the ball. Because, you know, when you double team, somebody's open or, or finding the open man, and he's done a really good job of finding the open man. But there was a play against Wake Forest where he got doubled, um, 
the ball was kicked out to Caleb Love on the strong side, the side that the double team was on. And Caleb should have, you know, kicked it out uh, around the wing to get to the weak side of the double team because that's where the open man was. But Caleb Love drove right into the lane where the double team was happening and tried to force a layup and missed. Um, so it's just those those game time decisions, uh, in-game decisions, I should say, and, and making the smart play. And I think when you're a junior playing at a, um, a caliber at Carolina, you got to make those smart decisions, especially, you know, three years into your college career. So just not finding the open guy making the smart play, I think, um, just need to do that more often. Get get those easy buckets, especially when um, you're as dynamic as Baycott is. You you know you're going to get double teamed, and we're we're playing our best when we're working inside out off of that double team. I completely agree. Um, I think you know the ball movement through Caleb is going to be a pivotal pivotal key for us in the future, and we just need to kind of capitalize on that now so we can get used to that later on in March and April. Um, anything else for the Wake Forest game? Uh, no, we can jump into, into Notre Dame. All right, so this was an early game on Saturday. I think it was 11.30 tip-off. I think there was a stat. This was just a little tidbit. The only time they played any earlier, well, they played in Portland at 10 a.m., but obviously that's West Coast. Um, but other than that, this was the earliest tip-off of the year. Um, I was at work. I called it while I was at work. But um, It was an 81-64 win. Um, I think we controlled this one pretty much from the tip off. What many lead changes wasn't um, wasn't much much for us to worry about. I mean, there were some some points where we gave up some shots we shouldn't have, but I think it was a pretty solid game from all around. The ball movement at the beginning of this game was by far, I think, the best ball movement that we have had um, in a while, and I was really happy with that. Baycott pretty much touched the ball every possession. Um, at one point, I thought he was going to go for twenty and thir- I mean thirty and twenty. At the beginning of the game, I mean, he had six and six, I think, before the first TV timeout. Um, but you know, that's how that's what UNC has to do with this team. I mean, Baycott is going to draw a lot of attention. I don't ha- know many people in the ACC or even the NCAA that are going to be able to stop him when he gets on that low block. So him, we exploited that to the fullest with a smaller team. With a smaller team, because I think Notre Dame's fielded the small has the smallest team in the conference as far as i'm aware of who they start but um i thought it was a pretty solid win um we did not have pete nance he had he was out i think he had hurt his back i don't think i've seen anything on his injury but i don't think it's too seriously too serious for us to worry about but we started with the three guard lineup we got seth trimble's first start um along with rj caleb leakey and baycott i love i like the lineup we just spoke about it in the wake forest game um i thought it was fantastic and with the ball movement and stuff, I feel like it was a good chance for some of these younger guys to get on the floor when we had a starter out. Uh, yeah, for sure. And you, you mentioned, you know, Seth started, uh, which I think is great for him. Uh, it is interesting, though. He did start. But he only played 23 minutes, I think. Uh, he shared some minutes with Puff, which I also don't think, think is a bad mood. And Puff had a really good game. He was 4 or 5, 2, two four, 3 from 3. Um, so Puff also had a really good game. Um Caleb Love was 6 for 16 uh, with 18 points. So, you know, Caleb, Caleb, we we talked about it just a minute ago. Caleb's going to shoot no matter what. Um, it's just his decision-making, I think. I, I don't mind him shooting at all if they're good shots because he's shown that he can make them. 
uh, RJ five of eleven with thirteen points. So our big three, Baycott, Davis, and Love, um, had a combined what fifty four points, and then Puff had eleven off the bench, and Dunn had seven. So we got some quality minutes and quality points and shot shot making from our bench, which I think we need to do that consistently. And you know these guys are showing that they can do it. Puff can Puff can knock down a three. Uh, Tyler Nickel can knock down the three. Dunn can knock down knock down the three. So if we can we can get a rotation of eight or nine guys and they're playing consistently, um, you know this team can can make some noise in March. I agree. I definitely agree. A um, little bit of chippiness in the game. We had a technical foul on Caleb under the basket after a Puff Johnson. I think it was a dunk, right? He flushed it. Yeah, I think he got his. Got his it finger, was. I think got his fingertips on the rim. It was close. You know, Puff. Uh, Puff doesn't seem to me the most athletic guy in the world. He looks a little hesitant out there, but he did. Yeah, he threw it down. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, it was definitely a uh, little bit of a – I don't think it was a flagrant two. I think maybe a flagrant run, one. I think it was the after after the whistle instigation that got him the flagrant two. But um, that was definitely – I mean, I, I appreciate Caleb sticking up for his teammates. He's definitely one of those guys that will, is going to put his put his nose in there to make sure his teammates are taken care of. And you can't, you know, regardless of the situation, you make sure your teammates are all right first and then worry about whatever was whatever actually happened later. And, my, you know, that's what I think. Um, I thought the – I thought – you know, that really got some intensity going for us, too, because I think that was, like, right when we were in the middle of a run, I think. So, it was a good little good little boost for us as well. For sure. Um, yeah, Caleb, you know, there's some, I think, maybe not from us specifically, or maybe a little bit from us and a little bit from uh, Tar Heel Nation in general, just a little bit of, does Caleb, does Caleb care? Um about this team and how, and being successful and I, and I think you know him standing up for Puff, especially a guy who doesn't play a ton, and saying, "Yo, this is my brother. You know, you're not going to do that again, or or, or watch what you're doing out here. Um, I've got his back." So I I appreciate that from Caleb. Um, it just shows to me that you know he cares about his brothers on the court. For sure, absolutely. Um, Puff had 11, which was, you know, I think that's the most he scored this year. His career high is 16 last year versus NC State, but he had a solid game. I think he hit a couple threes as well. I think he hit two, two, three, two for three from three, four for five from the field with 22 minutes. So, pretty solid. I like the fact that he's playing around 22 minutes. Him and him and Seth split time. I'll, I, I don't know. I think. Puff's gonna be a big key. He's probably gonna be here. He's gonna be here next year. He'll probably. He might even come back for a fifth year. I would have liked for this game with Pete being out to get maybe some more Jalen Washington in the mix. Um, you know, maybe go back to that two two big lineup. I think that would have been good. His jumper, Jalen Washington's jumper is sweet. So like yeah. he's gonna have no problem. I think fitting in. But seven minutes with with you know your second big out, I would like to see him hit that around 15, 15 minute mark. I would also like like to see Nickel get in as well. I feel like Nickel, Puff, and Seth could easily be switched, you know, rotated through depending on what the necessity is on the floor. I'd say for defense, I'd put Puff or Seth, but if we're needing maybe a bucket, maybe a quick three, quick two threes, I'd put Nickel in the game. I feel like it's a situational substitution that needs to be made, and I think it'd be a solid solid key factor to like maybe a decent run or a spark off the bench. Yeah, I agree. I think um... – I think we've got to find some kind of rotation or some rest for uh, Pete and um, Baycott, uh, Pete when he returns, which is also interesting. So, you know, we've we've got two wins basically without 
Pete Nance. Um, we played pretty well. I mean, definitely played well offensively in those two games. Um, have struggled on the defensive end and, and getting rebounds, which is expected when you're going smaller. Um, so it would be interesting to see what happens when Pete comes back. Will his minutes kind of um, – dwindle from you know 32 to 35 a game down to like 25 maybe um so it'll be interesting to see what happens when he comes back and interesting interesting to see what hubert decides to do um with pete nance and his minutes um after us playing you know pretty pretty well and and wake's a decent team um notre dame isn't that great this year so we got two wins that we should have won so uh, I'm, i'm happy with our performances overall I think this is about the time when Garcia had um, went home to deal with his family issues and they had put – well, this is about the time that Matt Brady last year started starting and I think, really gave I us think a I think originally Dar- Garcia got injured, did he not, and missed a few games? That's what it was, yeah. Um, he did get injured. And then that's when, when Brady was inserted into the starting lineup and we we started to turn the corner a little bit. So um could be a similar theme, I think. Pete Nance and Dawson Garcia are similar players. Um, and and Brady was pretty dynamic from the three-point line. So, yeah, it's it's interesting how the back-to-back last year's season and this year's season is kind of lining up similarly as far as uh, what our team looks like. So, For sure, for sure. Um, I wanted to know if you want to elaborate a little bit about um, maybe RJ and Caleb's streakiness throughout the season and how it kind of affects the overall team as a whole when it comes to like offensive prowess and like where we're running the who we're running the ball through and stuff like that uh yeah I think they've both um, we we talked about Caleb earlier but and RJ had a magnificent game against uh against Wake Forest but they've been not as consistent as last year and really not as consistent as our first two years they're both of their shooting percentages are down total field goal percentage and three-point percentage. Uh, But I heard – I was listening to some of the other podcasts about Carolina basketball. um, But one of them said, if RJ and Caleb are both on, then we are a Final Four team. I agree with that. Um, If one of them is on and the other is off, then they're good enough to be on top of the ACC. And if they're both off, then they're bad. Um, And they continue to say, if RJ and Caleb are both off, then no one else on the roster can step up and help. I think that is not a fair assessment because the bench players aren't getting the opportunity to step up. Like we mentioned earlier, Caleb's playing poorly. He's playing poorly, turning the ball over, not hitting shots, and playing poor defense, and still plays 38 minutes. So when you're not getting the opportunity to be able to step up, we don't know what what these players are capable of in-game situations. So I, I think that's not a fair assessment. Um, I think we have players on the team that can step up given the opportunity, but they're not getting the opportunity to do so. What do you think? Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I think we're all kind of spoiled last year when RJ and Caleb both were going off in the NCAA tournament, and I still feel like my expectations this year are to watch that every single time they play. And I just need to, you know, reset those. Like, that's not going to happen. Like, you know, Caleb was hitting all these step backs that Caleb's missed this year. He did not. He he hit every single one of them in the tournament. UCLA. He had a couple when Ar, when Mando saved that ball out of bounds and it went back to Caleb for the three. I mean, RJ had thirty against Baylor. I mean, it's just 
you know, we're getting we were spoiled last year, and I feel like a lot of the expectations that I have are still based off last year's team. And you know, this is a new season. There's new players. They all these teams saw them play like that in the tournament, so they have different defensive schemes for them now. So they're not. It's not. You know, we weren't a threat at this point last year. We were a team that might slide into the NCAA tournament, and now you know we were a preseason favorite to win the tournament. So it's definitely been hard. And I mean, you know, we've had a really, really tough you know, non-conference schedule as well. So, like, these teams that we're playing out of conference are not easy teams. Like, you know, we had Alabama. We had Indiana. We have Virginia Tech, who's always given us trouble. Like, all of these losses that we've had have been, you know, pretty tough losses. I mean, in Alabama's, you know, was a top. They beat us. They beat – They beat. They beat. did they beat Gonzaga or did they lose to Gonzaga right after? Mm, I can't remember. But, yeah, they, but they've, way, like, they've, you know, they've, they were, they played and, and beaten some good teams. Yeah, like they were in a top ten team right after they beat us. So like we've had a really, really tough strength of schedule. I mean, you were telling me and you had just put this in our notes. Um UNC has the highest non conference strength of schedule of all power five teams at number seven in the country. The other power five in the top thirty is Alabama. So like, you know, that says it right there. These losses that we've had, you know, from you know, from RJ you know, it goes back to RJ and maybe Caleb not playing the best. We've had the hardest competition to play. So imagine if we're getting that RJ and that Caleb against the best teams through the first, you know, 15 games of the season. I mean, you know, you can't expect that night in and night out when you're literally throwing the best teams at us with the strength of schedule. I mean, you know, that's a tough, like, you know, the games we lost where RJ and Caleb maybe didn't play the best, we were on the road for two weeks at a time. So, like, that's tough for anyone, and let alone playing actual real competition out of conference instead of, you know, the warm-up games like Johnson C. Smith and UNC Wilmington and College of Charleston and stuff like that. So, Shoot, I don't know. College, I mean, we College give them... of Charleston is really good this year. <laughs> I know. They're tearing it up. Might be a quad one win for us. Yeah. We've only got one so far, but, yeah, we could use a couple more. Um, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, I, and I think one other thing that we can talk about as well is – um, the the play of Armando Baycott has been unmatched uh, in his last five games or so. He's been you know he's been putting up two uh, K numbers um, against good competition. So uh, we know that teams are going to have to double him. They and then that's the only way that they're going to stop him. So our shooters have, are going to have to step up and knock down shots. And he's taken he's taken a beating too, you know, he's getting hammered. It reminds me of kind of like Tyler mm-hmm. Tyler Hansborough when he was at Carolina. Uh doesn't matter, you know, who they're playing, they're go, they're going at him and they're they're throwing big guys at him just to foul him. And and you can see it in Armando's face. Um he's kind of getting frustrated that that fouls aren't getting called. Um cuz every time he touches the ball, he's getting hammered. So and you can see him turn around and complain to the refs and, and maybe not get back on D sometimes. So I think uh, he just needs to realize that, hey, I am a good player and these teams are going to play, play, play me like this. I'm just going to have to fight through it um, and have to beat the other team and the refs, unfortunately. Uh, you know, if if you don't get a call on the other end, on, the, on one end, just, you know, make a make a great defensive stand on the other, on the defensive end. Um, but, yeah, I think Armando's play has been – ACC Player of the Year worthy um, and is living up to his preseason ACC Player of the Year nomination. I agree. I don't know anyone who's going to take that away from him at this point in time. I mean, he's it's really all up to our, uh, up to Mando whether or not he wants to get 30 and 20. I mean, some games, some games it might be harder, but I mean, he he I don't see anyone in the conference who's going to 
who's going to stop him from getting exactly what he wants. I mean, some games might be a little bit harder, but I mean, I just don't see it is all up to him whether or not he wants to go out and grab every single board and score 25 points a game. So I think, I think we're seeing the best of him for sure. Yep. Love that guy. Um, I guess we we can talk about who we've got coming up. So we've got, um, we're at Virginia on Tuesday. That's a 9 PM tip. Um, I think so. That's a let's see. Virginia is currently ranked 13th in the country, so it's an opportunity for a quad one win for us. So we definitely need to um, add one of those to our schedule. You know, we always struggle. A lot of teams struggle uh, playing Virginia because they play at such a slow pace. Um, they're worried about efficiency, both on the defensive and the offensive end. So they'll hold the ball for 30 seconds and shoot at the last second um, if it means getting a good look. So I think this is a good opportunity for us to showcase what we've done the last two games against a good defense. Um, What do you think about going at Virginia? I always can't stand watching a Virginia Virginia basketball game. And unfortunately, I have to this week because, you know, UNC plays them. I can't stand a game that can't get over 50 points. And I hope that we shoot well enough to where we can because Virginia's MO is to keep the game as slow as possible and score with as little possessions for their opponents as possible. Um, but I have seen if you're scoring over 50 points or 60 points on Virginia, your chances of winning are pretty high um, because, you know, when they limit the possessions and you're hitting shots and getting quality looks, I feel like, it, you know, it's it would be hard to beat, especially with how slow they play. Um, so my, my target, and I've always said this, is if we score over 50, we have a better chance than if we don't. So I'm hoping – you know, Baycott can at least help us with half of that. I would hope the rest of the team could help us with the other half. But it's always tough. It's always frustrating to play him for sure. Yeah, and I think so. Um, Virginia is – they've got a couple big guys. So if Pete Nance doesn't play, I, th- I think it might create some matchup problems for us. Um, they've got Gardner and Shedrick are their two forwards. Uh, they're both solid bigs, um, so if they're and I think they're both starters. So if they're both on the same court, um, or if they're both on the court at the same time, and Nance can't go, so we might have to go smaller and put Leaky on one of those guys, put Puff Johnson on one of those guys. Maybe Washington might get some good minutes to to get on one of those bigger guys. Um, and they're a great shooting team as well. So Beekman is a not a super high volume shooter, but he. You know, he he knocks them down. He's right at almost 50% from three on the season. And they've got three, maybe four guys on their team that shoot the three better than our best three-point shooter. So we're going to have to run them off the three-point line. Don't just – we love to sag off the three for whatever reason. That's a Carolina staple uh, on defense, unfortunately. And we just need to run them off the three-point line, let them them get some layups, let, you know, let Baycott – contest them down low on a layup attempt but i don't want to see them shoot and make 12 15 three-pointers and they have the roster especially when yeah especially when we only get a limited amount possessions a game too so like if they're hitting threes and we're not getting we're not able to hit them back it's definitely going to be a tough night for us too so let's hope let's hope we bring our a game because i think we're going to need it but i feel like it's a very very winnable game as well so i feel like you know it's definitely something we can win um, the only downside is it is at Virginia, which is unfortunate. But, yeah, yeah. You know, we need a quad one win on the road, even better. Yeah, we need um, – I don't think we've won a road game yet. I know we played we played at 
Indiana, and we played at Virginia. We're 0-3, I think, At Virginia so Tech, and then at Pitt. Yeah, so we're 0-3 on the road. So we don't want to make that our um, our reputation this year as we can't win road games. So we just need to go in there, show up, play Carolina basketball, um, and, and shoot well, work inside out. Um, you know, they do have two two bigs. They could throw at Baycott, but – and, and you know, you know, one on one, Baycott's taking them, and they're going double team. So we need to kick it out, knock open the open shot, step into those threes with confidence, um, and I think we can do that. So uh, that'll be a good game. That again, that's Tuesday night, nine o'clock tip, and then I think Saturday we've got Louisville. Um, I don't know if that's at Carolina or at Louisville. Um, do you know, Nick? Let's see. I think it is at L- Louisville. I'm pretty sure because we've had a couple of home games. Uh, you're right. Uh, you're right. It is at Louisville at two o'clock on Saturday. Yep, it is at Louisville. Okay. So Louisville is very, very bad this year. So we've got a couple road games. Yeah, Louisville's two and fourteen, and they're last place in the ACC. So Listen, don't jinx this man. <laughs> no, you're right. You know the Louisville fans are going to show up. ACC is the ACC. That's right. But we should technically, on paper, we should win that game as well. So. Uh, Got a couple road games to test test the heels this week, so just need to need to play well, play Carolina basketball, and get some wins. Keep stacking. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Let's keep this win streak going. Um, so if that's all from you, I think I'm all good on my end too. All right, so guys, it is Nathan. Nathan, sorry, Nathan is usually with us. He is not this time. It is Nick and Bradley. Thank you for joining for Tar Heel State of Mind episode four. We will see you next week. Go Heels.